I hope you're ready for the word today. Uh, I want you to get your handouts. You know, we didn't finish the message last week because uh, I saw the rain coming and I cut it in half. And so we're going to finish it up this week. So if you took that handout home, which I told you to, if you didn't, then the information will be there on the screens. But I'd like you to have that handout because there's some fill in the blanks. So get that together, get that ready. And then those of you that, are, that are, have been watching us online, you know what to do. For those of you that have been here at the drive-up, but you're back, uh, back online today, I want to encourage you to let us know that you're watching. Let us know if you have a prayer request, anything we can do for you. Info at thehillsnashville.com, anytime, anything. We're going to, is it anything, anytime, or anytime, anything, Jared? Anything, anytime. There we go. Thanks, Jared. Keep me on point, buddy. I love it. All right, we're diving in back into our series called Indivisible, and uh, actually we're going to be wrapping it up today. And so I'm going to try to do a real good job since it's the last one. Colossians 1 and 18 says this, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Christ is head of the church, which is his body. We've been spending some time over the past several weeks talking about the body of Christ and how God meant for it to be indivisible. While we are so divided as a country and as a nation and as a people, God is asking us to remember what the body of Christ is really supposed to be all about. We are members of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is the church. I want to say it again. I hope you're getting this. We are members. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a member of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is the church. Today I want to talk about the purpose of the church, or the purpose of the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, New Living Translation. Let me get a sip of water before I finish this. Matthew 5 and 13, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. If you have your handout, the first blank you're going to fill out today is this. The church is called to be salt and light. Kristen said something the other day. My wife, uh, Kristen, uh, she said something so beautiful the other day. She said, at this point in our world, we have the greatest opportunity for the church to be salt and light. And I agree with her. And that's why I want to talk about this today. So we've talked a lot about being the body of Christ, but why? What is the purpose of the body of Christ? Number one, we're called to be salt. Salt is used for several reasons. Number one, salt is used to preserve. You know, the church has been put here to preserve. That's what we're called to do. We're called to preserve and protect. That's what salt does, especially back in the old times. They would use salt to preserve certain things. And yet I find many times that the church, instead of preserving, is using salt to pour into open wounds. This is what I've seen that has been tragic to me. As our country has been divided, I've seen the church start taking sides. The church is called to preserve. We are a wounded nation. And when we take what God has given us and, and use our words, both spoken and typed, 
we can pour salt into those wounds. Well, I don't like that side. You're too far left. You're too far right. I don't agree with, with this organization. I don't agree. And then we just go edit and edit and edit. And instead of preserving, we're just pouring salt into open wounds. That is not what God has called us to do. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, what the writer was saying is, let your language be preserving. Preserve. I'm going to tell you, you can preserve a lot of relationships if you would just watch what you say. We need to bite our tongue a little bit more. I also love the New Living Translation of Colossians 4 and 6. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Don't you love that? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Let your conversation be full of grace. Let, it, let, you, let your conversation be the type that people are attracted to, not that they want to run away from. And I, I know some of you right now, you're nodding your head and say, oh, I know who he's talking about. No, I'm talking to you. Right there, wherever you're watching this, I'm talking to you. I, I'm talking to me. How, how do you talk to and about your enemies? Your enemies, the political enemies, your religious enemies, the people that you disagree with doctrinally, the people you disagree with politically. How do you talk about them? How do you talk to them online and to their face? Is it gracious? Is it attractive? You know, Jesus told us to love our enemies. What I've found is that anybody can love someone that likes you, right? Or anybody can love someone that is like them. We all, it's easy to love people that agree with me, but Jesus said, love your enemies. Not just your enemies. How do you talk to your spouse? How do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to your coworkers? Is it gracious? Is it attractive? I'm not talking about when things are going well. I'm talking about when things aren't good, when, when they disagree, when things aren't going the way you want to go. Is your conversation gracious, attractive, and preserving? I want to encourage you to start watching what we say, and not just what we say, how we say it. Salt is meant to preserve. Secondly, salt is meant to enhance. You take salt and you put it on food to enhance the flavor. I want to be enhancing to those people that are around me. When, I, when people are around me, I want to enhance what they're good at instead of shining a light on what they're bad at. Do you make people's personalities blossom when they're around you? Do people's gifts flourish when they're around you or do they diminish? Do they, do they shrink when they're around you? John 13 and 34 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. When I'm around you, I want to enhance the gifts that God's put on you. I want to see your giftings and your personality flourish. What if we all did that with each other? Man, what kind of families would we have? What kind of church could we have? What kind of world could we have? If we did what God called us to do, and we're just salt, preserving and enhancing. We're also called to be light. Let's talk a little bit about light. Now, I'm telling you, I could spend weeks just talking about the subject of light. But I'm not. Number one, light gives guidance. Light shows the way. And that's what the church is here for. We're called to show people the way. Who is the way? It's Jesus. That is our ultimate goal, is to lead people to Jesus. And yet what I see many times is that the church uses that light to show faults. We take that light and we shine it. on. Look, people already know they're messed up. 
They don't need us showing them in every little nook and cranny of their life. No, all God has called us to do is to direct them to the, to the true way, to be a shining light. That's why every single Sunday, and we'll do it here today, we give people an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of their life. Because we can sing and we can talk and we can have great coffee, but if we're not at the end of the day leading people to Jesus, we've missed the boat. We can feed the hungry, take care of the nations, but God has not called us just to be a social justice organization. Our goal is to lead people to Jesus so they can have the abundant life that he promised. Light gives guidance. Is your example, are you, are you an example of what Jesus would have you be? Did you exemplify the lifestyle of Jesus? Because our lives are a light and they give guidance. Secondly, light brings life. It, things don't grow if the light's not there. You must have life. I, we, Kristen has a, you know, has a green thumb. She's got a green elbow. I mean, she goes all the way up. I, 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 my, I just kill anything. If you give me a plant, you've given it a death sentence. <laughs> but, but Kristen loves plants. And so it is amazing to watch the, those plants that will start growing toward the light. And, and Kristen will notice it and she'll come and she'll turn them around. You know, that's what we're called to do. We're called to bring life by bringing light. We're called to be life-giving in the workplace, in the school, in the community. You all know what it's like to be a part of something around someone that is life-taking. That's not what God has called us to be. I want to be the kind of person, when I walk in the room, light shows up. And when light shows up, life shows up. And, and when I leave, that people would say, man... There was something different about the atmosphere. They may not vocalize it, but they, but they get it. Let's be those kind of people. Thirdly, light drives out darkness. Drives out darkness. John 1 and 5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. In other words, darkness and light cannot exist. They can't exist. They can't coexist. Once the light shows up, darkness has to leave. So let me give you a little tip. Instead of focusing on how dark things are, just be the light. You're not going to make them any brighter. You're not going to make this pandemic any brighter. You're not going to make that person that you think it has so much darkness in their life. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can be the light. Just show up and be a light and you watch the darkness flee. Matthew 5 and 14 says, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop, on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Look at me. Lean in just a little bit. I want you to hear this loud and clear. The church is not just light. The church is the light of the world. Now I can hear you right now, but I thought Jesus was the light. He is through us. That is how he's called. That, that's how he's going to reach the world is through us, through the, the local church, the body of Christ. I love one translation says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. You know I love so much when I, I come from Old Hickory, uh, uh, I come this over this hilltop. And one of my favorite things to do is when I come over that hilltop and I see the hills just, just sitting up here. And it just feels like, in my mind, God gave us this place to be a city on a hill that shines bright. Come on, let's be a light to this region. Let's be a, a light to Bellevue. Let's be a light to Nashville, to, to Tennessee. Let's be the Tennessee that God sees. Let's shine a light. God has not just given us this building so we can just have this building. God has given us this building so we can reach our region. Come on, get it. Can I hear an amen right there at home or wherever you are? I hope you're not driving watching this. That would be bad. How do we shine? 
Verse 16 tells us, Matthew 5, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our good deeds shine the light of Jesus. That's it. Not, what you, not necessarily what you write or what you type or what you sing. Your good deeds. The things that we do. When we take our faith and put into action, that is what shines the light of Jesus. And the scripture tells us when they see us doing it, they give God glory. So God gets glory from our good deeds. November has been outreach month where we have... We have partnered with foster parents and foster kids and, and given these foster parents a much-needed break. You know what that was when you were there and they were, throwing, uh, they were throwing cars at plasma screen TVs and throwing food off the thing and those foster kids were having an angry moment. You know what that was? That was Jesus glowing. That was Him shining. When we hand these teachers these baskets, you know what that's going to be? Jesus glowing. When I, when I drive up here and I see... These people that have been here since the early hours of the morning serving on Sunday, our staging team and our kids team and parking team and cafe team and safety team and security team. Help me if I'm leaving somebody out, Jared. I know that I am. Just, just teams, our worship team. And especially this past Sunday when the rain started coming in and they had to suddenly quick, okay, we've got to cover things up. We've got to push. We've got we to recalibrate everything. And, and then at the end, man, people just jumping in at the end and taking that equipment and, and putting it in the back. You know what that was? That was Jesus glowing. Every single thing we do like that makes Jesus glow. You're giving. When you give, that's a great, great deed. And we, we, we shot a video the other day and we told you that our giving had, had been down. And, and I want to thank you for your response to that. You know, we've been able to do so much. Uh, it's been amazing. But imagine what we could do, how much more we could do if everybody was all in, and here's what I know, when I, when, I, when I write that check, that's a Jesus glowing moment for me. When I give, when I, when I am generous, that's a Jesus glowing moment. What about loving? Not just loving, but showing love. You know, there's a difference in that. I can love you, but not show you that love. I want to encourage you to start showing that. Who needs you in their life? There is somebody I can promise you there's somebody right now that God has put in your surroundings, in your environment, in your space. They need what you have. An encouraging word, a helping hand. I was so moved by a young man named Patrick goes to our church. You, you may not know Patrick, but you've seen him. He's the guy that helps us on side stage. And uh, the other day I just happened to mention that I was thirsty. So I, he ran and got me a water. He just has this heart to serve. And, and he, he called us the other day and he said, you know, I, I want to help. Who needs food for Thanksgiving? What can I do? Just families that need food. I want to make an entire meal. And he's done it. He took food to Gwen uh, after the loss of her son. That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be. That was huge, Patrick, by the way. I wouldn't even know what, I wouldn't even know how to start making a meal. So thank you for that. But it doesn't have to be huge and extravagant. It's about looking for those moments that we can we can, we can sow a good deed, that we can sow a seed into somebody's life that shows the love of God. And that's Jesus' glow and gives his, his Father glory. Let's look for ways to show love. I hope you receive this word today. I want to give you some things to do this week, a little now what moment. Here's three things I would love for you to do. Number one, consider what it means 
to convey your love for Jesus by loving his body. This is something we've talked over the past several weeks. Consider what it means to convey your love for Jesus by loving his body. Number three, what are some ways that you can practically be salt and light to the world around you? I want you to make a list, some practical things you can do to be salt and light. And then finally, this is going to be fun. I want you to keep a record of any good deeds that you were able to accomplish this week that shines the light of Jesus and gives God glory. Just keep a record. And look back when you get to the end of the week and, and just take, a, uh, take an account of, of what you've been able to do and how many people have been blessed and how much Jesus was able to glow. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for uh, your church, God, your body. And I thank you that you have called us with a purpose. You've called us to greatness. And God, I do thank you for the hills. I thank you that we are part of the global body of Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that as we grow, your body is growing. And as we're strengthened, your body is being strengthened. I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would help us lean in more than ever, become not just unified, but, Lord, become one, just as you said we were supposed to be. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you an opportunity today to make your life right with Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. We're going we're gonna to lead you in a prayer in just a moment where you can do that. Or maybe you have, it's just kind of been stale. The light has kind of gone down. The salt is not, not salty anymore. And, and you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. You want to be part of the body. Maybe you've been a believer, but you've been a long way off. And you, now you want to get connected and be part of the body. I want to help you with that today. The Bible says if you will just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. Thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection. Thank you for giving your life for me and giving your life to me. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would cover me with your grace and help me live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Come on, I celebrate with you today. Amen. I celebrate. Me and the crew, we celebrate with you.